This episode is brought to you in part by Noom. Forget one-size-fits-all diets. With Noom, you get a personalized weight loss plan that's tailored to your lifestyle. No food is off limits. Enjoy your favorites while discovering healthier habits. Noom's users love the flexible approach, blending psychology and biology to help you lose weight in a way that's sustainable for you. And great news for foodies. Noom just released the Noom Kitchen Cookbook with 100 delicious, healthy recipes. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. Grab your copy of The Noom Kitchen wherever books are sold. If debit is your go-to card, Discover thinks it's time you get rewarded too. So check out Discover Cashback Debit, a game-changing checking account with cashback on everyday debit card purchases. That's right. Cashback isn't just for credit cards anymore. Whether it's a movie date, flea market find, or midday latte, you can start earning cashback. And did I mention there are no fees, period? Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. It's your host, Olivia Perez. I'm a journalist, interviewer, and the creator of Friend of a Friend, a show where we sit down with some of my friends, your friends, and new friends to host inspiring but down-to-earth conversations with some of my favorite luminaries who are making a change. Welcome back to my second ever solo episode. I have been having so much fun with these, and thank you to everyone who tuned into my first one. It was so much fun. We had such a great response, and it was really awesome to just connect with you guys and answer so many of your questions. So I'm really appreciative for the support on those, and I'm really excited to be bringing you guys another one. I feel like the most common DM that I get on Instagram is how to start a podcast. So I figured I'd hop on today and answer some of your burning questions when it comes to having a career in journalism. We're going to talk about my experience in college and what was most helpful for me in terms of navigating a journalism career from a young age, what internships I took, what helped me get my foot in the door in terms of getting published. I'll talk about some of my best writing tips, what was helpful for me in, you know, growing and flexing that muscle because it definitely is one and it's a challenge over time to, you know, consistently be writing. And we'll also talk about how to start a podcast, especially with an industry that is so big and booming right now. I'm excited to give any and all insight that I have in terms of what it's like to start one, what it's like to grow one, um, and kind of where we're at today and a little bit of a behind the scenes look into building this show. So I want to dive right in. People are always really curious how I got into journalism. So I want to give you guys a little bit of context and a backstory because it definitely wasn't a traditional route. Like I didn't it wasn't something where I was in high school that I was like, oh, I want to be a journalist. It's something it, like I, you know, I wasn't someone that was that great of a writer. Like I loved English and I enjoyed writing. But like, I think at that age, you're like, oh my God, I can't. I just want to get through this essay and like call it a day. So for me, journalism was something that I think was woven into the fabric of so many things that I was doing, but it wasn't really something that I saw myself doing until later in college. So you know, for example, I was a dancer. I loved photography. I wanted to be a photojournalist for a little while. And then later in college, I had worked in PR and marketing. And what's interesting to me about that is like the undercurrent of all of that is storytelling. So I was flexing that muscle and I was learning how to do it through a variety of different mediums. But it wasn't until later that I actually got into writing and was able to use all of those resources 
and all of those skills that I learned and bring it into my writing. It wasn't until when I was in college that I got the opportunity to write for Forbes and cover the Victoria's Secret show in Paris that I really sunk my teeth into writing. I think I was a junior and I had been working with an agency that was helping me with partnerships because I was growing my social media platform at the time. And Forbes was also growing their Snapchat channel at that time. And so they were looking for somebody that was going to give them this like behind the scenes look at what was going on at the Victoria's Secret show in Paris. And that was a big deal at the time. You know, like they had never gone out of the country. It was their first. I think it was one of their first international shows. And they came to me and were looking for someone to give them backstage content. It was a pretty crazy offer. They were not going to cover any of my expenses, nothing. They really just were like, if you're going to be there, great, give us the coverage. And for me, looking at that opportunity, I was like, you know, if I do this really well and I give them a good angle, maybe I could pitch them to continue doing projects like this for them. Maybe I could become a freelance contributor for them. So I dipped into my savings to make it happen. I'm pretty sure I stayed in like the tiniest little Airbnb way far away from where the show was actually happening. And I booked the cheapest ticket I could possibly find. I think I even stayed with a friend for a night just to, you know, make it cheaper on me. And I took that risk because I knew that if I had done it, it would have continued to open the door for other contributing opportunities. So I ended up going. It was an amazing experience. And I think I prepared for it for like two weeks before I actually went. I did a ton of research into like what was going on in the show, who was walking in the show. And, you know, every year they collaborate with different designers And it just so happened that one of the designers was a friend of mine who was an incredible Nepalese designer. And so all these factors were going into the story that I was going to write. And I made sure that when I got there, I had a really specific angle that I wanted to cover. I didn't just want to go and be like, here was the Victoria's Secret show. It was in Paris. And these were like the angel wings that they had this year. I didn't want to just cover, like cover my bases. I wanted to do something interesting with it. So I ended up writing about actually how there was so much female camaraderie among the show and how supportive everybody was of each other. It was a really beautiful thing to see during that time. And this was like way back in 2016. So, you know, between between having that angle and talking about what went on literally backstage, but then also being able to tie in all these awesome moments that were happening on stage because I had known my friend who was co-designing a portion of the show. It was this really different angle that I think they didn't expect. And it's funny because, again, I said, I, I, you know, I'm not the greatest writer in the world, but Forbes really liked it and it did really well because the angle was so specific. And, you know, I had done everything I could to make it different. I just made it my mission with that story to make it different, to be there and give Forbes something that they couldn't have gotten from anybody else. And when I got back, they actually got on a call with me and offered me a contributor position. So totally worth it in the end it was a crazy experience. But I really think that you know, as I was saying earlier, it's it wasn't just about the technicality of my writing. It was so much more about what my perspective and what my experience was like there and utilizing my resources to make it a piece that they couldn't have found anywhere else. So that was the first moment where I was just like, oh, wow, like I can really do this even though I'm not the best writer in the world. Like I can really do this and make it happen for myself and I can still continue to storytell in a way that feels authentic to me and doesn't feel you know, kind of like stuffy journalism. All this was happening when I was at NYU. So I was actually studying journalism as well. But I was being really specific about the type of journalism I wanted to focus on. So this is something that I also think is really important. If you are someone that is interested in storytelling, you're interested in writing, 
it doesn't just have to be this traditional route. And I think that Victoria's Secret story is a testament to that. I'd gone to NYU and I decided to to focus on two things. I wanted journalism and I wanted fashion. And I was interested in both. And I studied journalism through the lens of fashion writing. Of course, now I write about a lot of other things, but I think being able to go to school and do both allowed me to figure out how to write and storytell through a non-traditional lens. Um, I also minored in entertainment business, which was a huge help and something that I recommend anybody listening right now do because having that minor was so, has like just come in handy in so many different ways. I wanted to have just like a normal business minor, but honestly, I had such a hard, I think they made me take econ and I lasted like two weeks in that class. I was like, this is the hardest thing I've ever done in my whole life. Somebody asked if I thought that I, if you really need a journalism degree, And honestly, I think so. There's like so much technicality to writing if you think about it. And even though I said earlier, I'm not the best writer and I, nor do I think you have to be the best writer. There's a lot of experience that you get in journalism school that really helps you. And I think writing is like flexing a muscle. It's something you have to do every single day. Like even if it's bad, getting your thoughts down on paper is a practice that you really have to nurture and tend to. And that's something that I think that you get in journalism school. You get experience, you get inspired by other writers in your class. And of course, the technicality of it, I think is really important. So yes, for most industries, I would say no. But I think having some experience in journalism school is really valuable. We'll be right back after a quick break. Okay, so how many of you woke up on January 1st and vowed to eat healthier or switch something up in your routine to make you feel better? This year, turn your resolutions into reality. Whether you're looking to try plant-based eating, build an empowered body, boost skin's glow, or simply just feel your very best, Saqqara makes it easy to create rituals that last. Saqqara is a company rooted in the transformative power of plant-based foods. Their organic, ready-to-eat meals are made with powerful, plant-rich ingredients, and they're designed to boost your energy, improve digestion, and get your skin glowing. Their menu of creative, chef-crafted breakfasts, lunch, and dinners change weekly, so you'll never get bored. We're talking meals like five herb pesto pasta and a pumpkin pie parfait delivered, ready to go, no prep necessary every single week. And it's delivered fresh anywhere in the US. Along with delicious plant-rich meals, Sakara also offers daily wellness essentials for optimal nutrition. Sakara supplement packs called the foundation and their metabolism super powder deliver support for gut health, energy, immunity, and healthy skin. And right now, Sakara is offering our listeners 20% off their first order when they go to sakara.com slash friend or enter the code friend at checkout. That's Sakara, S-A-K-A-R-A dot com slash friend to get 20% off your first order. Sakara.com slash friend. I'm Kareen Eldor. Ever feel like you're playing small? Well, turn up the volume on my podcast, Share a Voice. Every Thursday, I sit down with the wave makers and game changers on everyone's radar. I'll be sharing inspo and takeaways based on my conversations with disruptors, visionaries, and compelling creatives about how they express themselves in their work. Prepare for tons of mic drop moments and subscribe so that you catch every soundbite. I'm fascinated by the power of feeling heard and taking up space. And I'm amped up about sharing these conversations with you. Something that I actually had to do a ton of in college, and someone asked about this, is what's your best piece of advice for an edit test? I'm weird. I loved edit tests. Like I used to get so excited when a potential job would come in 
And in order to get the job, I would have to complete an edit test. Like, I don't know why there was something about it that was just so fun for me. But for most people, they're a nightmare. So I totally understand this question because they can seem really daunting. My best piece of advice for that is have your friends look it over, even if they're not in journalism or have nothing to do with the industry that you're in. An edit test is so that one, the person that's hiring you, it's for them to know that you have good grammar skills, you know how to write, you know how to form proper sentences. But it's also to see if you can write something that's like captivating to another person. A great website that I love to use that's actually really helpful and I use like to this day for so much of my writing is called Grammarly. I think you have to have a membership there um, to be able to use it like a certain amount of time. But it edits your writing to be 100% correct. It points out errors, whether it's like a syntax error or something that you might have missed. And it's been such a big resource for me. So I definitely recommend doing that. Not saying that that's like the easy way out. It's something that you should do like after the edit test just to like triple check your work. But definitely a good resource to use. If there are pitches on your edit test, make sure that you know the publication or whoever you're applying for. Make sure you know it front to back. I can't tell you how many times I've had an edit test come in and someone's pitched me an idea that we've already done. And I've been like, okay, One, that shows me that you're lazy. And two, that shows me that you don't really love the show and you don't know exactly like what we've done. So that's something that I think is really important. And I think especially if you're pitching for a podcast, there is so much overlap in the podcast space right now that I really, it always bothers me too when someone sends me a pitch that like at least 10 other podcasts that I know have already done. So I think if you can make your edit test as unique to you as possible, even though it might not be something that might be particularly on brand for whatever job you're applying for, usually at a tester for publications. So we'll continue to say publications. Something that's true to you that only you can really pitch is something that I think will always stand out. Like who's a band that you're loving that might not be mainstream? Why do you love them? Pitch them in a way that would be most interesting to you. I think edit tests, one, of course, as I was saying earlier, are for technicality, but also for your creativity to shine and to see what you can bring to the table. So, you know, any intern that I've ever hired or assistants I've ever hired has sent me a pitch that is like somewhat out of the blue for me, either like excites me or interests me because I haven't heard of it before. And there's a very specific angle to it. When it comes to writing, when it comes to journalism, specificity always wins. So make sure that that's part of your edit test. Love that question. My inner edit test nerd really came out there. (laughs) Would you recommend cold emailing someone to try and meet up and network? So I love a cold email. I would say that like 80% of our guests on the show are people that I've just blindly DM'd. But I will say that meeting up is a big ask for someone who you don't know, especially someone that you're asking advice from. Here's what I really love to see. When someone DMs me and they're like, hi, my name is this. This is what I want to do this is the problem that I need to solve. And I would love your advice on X, Y, and Z. Because sometimes it's really daunting when like someone DMs or someone emails and is like, hey, do you have an hour to chat about my career? I'm a little lost right now. I'm a college graduate. And I'd love to just like hear about your journey and see how like maybe you could help me. That feels like a big pill for me to swallow in a way that I'm like, okay, I'm like the biggest open book. I'm always a resource to anybody that needs help. But I think knowing exactly what subject I'm going to top, tackle, what problem they need me to solve, and being able to like go in their guns blazing and be like, hey, love that you're doing this. Let's see how we can like fix this one little thing and move on from there. How about like a, hey, I'd love 30 minutes of your time on the phone to talk about X, Y, and Z. 
because then I can know if I can like really help you or not and probably help you better. Like I think being more specific allows like whoever you're asking for help to come in and know exactly the problem that they're going to tackle. What's your best tip for writer's block? Honestly, sometimes I have to sit there and be like, do I have writer's block or am I just being lazy? Because I feel like that's something that people often confuse is like, you know, just because we can't form a sentence, like, are we actually having writer's block? Um, And you know what? It's okay. It happens. Like writing sometimes can be a really sticky process in terms of just like getting a thought out of your brain onto paper, making it sound nice. For me, I think when I am having those moments of like, oh, I cannot do this right now, I always go do something else that stimulates my brain differently. So like people are always like, oh, you have writer's block? Like just go to bed and get to it tomorrow. Or like, oh, go take a walk. Like go be out in nature. For me, it's the polar opposite. Is there like a show that you love that gets you so excited and you just want to talk about? Do you have a friend that you love shooting the shit with? Is there a podcast that you love listening to that like makes you want to have a conversation and like dive into it and gets your brain thinking? Like I need something that's going to help me get thoughts out of my head and not like put me back in my head. So I always say like go do something that keeps your brain stimulated because if you know we can't have writer's block forever. Everybody has deadlines. You got to get shit done. So the whole concept of like, oh, stop, just don't do it. Like if you're blocked, like don't let it happen. Like for me, it's take an hour, go do something different. You know, something that Joe Holder and I talk about all the time on our old podcasts is this, this idea of like strategic laziness. Like if you have a task that you need to get done and you can't get it done in that period of, in that moment, like whether it's you're exhausted, you've got brain fog, you're just not in the mood, it's not happening for you. Be strategic about your time off. Be like, okay, this is clearly not happening for me right now. I'm going to go do something different for an hour and I'm actually going to get out of my head for that hour. I'm going to go take the time to do something different and then I'm going to come back. Like be strategic about when you're going to be lazy and when you know that you need to take a break from work and like actually take real dedicated time off. Because like like, how many times do we sit there and we're like, oh, I'm on my computer. I can't really do this. Like now I'm on a website. Now I'm looking at something different. Now I'm on Instagram. And like before you know it, four hours have gone by. Like you're definitely not getting the work done that time. You could have taken two hours off and then come back two hours later and probably been way more productive than that time. I want to switch gears out of writing a little bit. And I want to switch to podcasting a little bit. I heard a stat the other day that 20,000 new shows are joining Apple Podcasts a week, which is so crazy, but also really fun because it's an industry that's growing. It's booming. So many people want to be a part of it. And clearly so many of you do because we got so many questions about what it's like to have a podcast, the behind the scenes of it, how to start equipment, the whole spectrum. So excited to answer those right now, especially because it's been such a gratifying industry for me to be in. It's been really fun especially during COVID when we were kind of taken out of our normal situation where we were in a studio. I'm now sitting in my home office where I had to learn to do an entire podcast set up on my own. It's an amazing industry to be a part of right now because there's so much innovation happening. There are so many stories being told. And I think, you know, even though people are like, oh my God, another podcast, I still encourage everybody to get to, you know, get their feet wet, dive in, because I think we can never have enough stories. We can never not have enough places where people are willing to help share stories. And I think that's a really awesome thing. So how did I start the podcast? First things first, you have to answer the golden question, which I've talked about a million times and I think is just so important. What is your goal? For me, it was about finding people who are doing really cool things, but might not be getting the platform or, you know, 
have a platform to tell their story to a wider audience. So that was kind of my edge. My edge was like finding those rare gems. And like, I think it's something that you have to also know that like, if you have a community online, you should do a little research and see if like your community would like to see that from you. That's what was really helpful for me. I had so many people actually at the time when I was, you know, I had been writing, I had been growing my social media platform. I had so many people being like, you should start a podcast. Like we want to hear your interviews audibly instead of just online. So I think there needs to be a real need for it. There needs to be a real goal. And, you know, that's like with most things, but especially with podcasting, um, because it is such an oversaturated market right now and it's hard to kind of sift through the noise. That's what I would really say is like step one, if you really want to start something. I think also if you're in the process of starting something right now, my biggest piece of advice is to get out of your head in terms of like the metrics and the numbers and the charts in the beginning, because I think it's so easy to get caught up in that, especially when it's like so visible and so public and there will be highs and lows in that. When I first launched, like I wouldn't let myself check my metrics because again, I think that's a super slippery slope. And it's something that like I still actually stay away from just because for me, it's about the conversation and the quality of the content that we're putting out there. Like in the beginning, I was so excited about getting invested in like the conversations I would have with listeners over DM or like talking with you guys on Instagram or hearing your reviews and like having those conversations. And I think that's how you're going to like naturally and organically grow and have a really good time building this community instead of like getting caught up in like the gamified aspect of the charts and all of that. We'll be right back after a quick break. Did any of you do dry January this year? If so, I'm sure I'm not alone in saying that after the first time I did it, I didn't want to stop. No hangovers, no brain fog. And honestly, I love a good non-alcoholic drink. My favorite is Kin Euphorics, the first non-alcoholic drink for grownups who care about the little things like brain function, hormone harmony, and de-stressing after an insane day. Kin Euphorics are stacked with the good stuff and none of the bad. Think adaptogenic herbs and mushrooms that can help curb stress in the moment and over time, as well as nootropics that support cognitive function like clarity, memory, and creativity. Plus, it's a brand built by women for women, which is something I know this community always loves to support. We've worked out a special deal for friend of a friend listeners. Receive 15% off plus free shipping on your order. And if you're ordering for your first time, trust me, order the high road. It's a calming flavor that goes great with the soda and lime after a long day of quarantine. It's my favorite. Go to kinuforex.com backslash Olivia or use code Olivia at checkout to claim the deal. That's K-I-N-E-U-P-H-O-R-I-C-S dot com slash Olivia. When it comes to booking your guests, if you are someone that wants to have guests on your show, I say DM. I think I've been saying this since I started my career. I love DM. It's like never in a million years have we ever had the opportunity to communicate with people from all around the world with a simple message on Instagram. So I'm a big DM person. I slide into people's DMs all the time. So many get unanswered, but so many do. But I do think it's a great resource and you have to always shoot your shot. And so many people that we've had on the show, we've gotten because we've slid into their DMs and they've responded and been really receptive to coming and sharing their story. So I think if that's something that feels natural to you, I say do it because it is extremely rewarding and it's been really successful for us. Also, this one's really crazy, but (laughs) invest in an IMDb Pro account. I think it's about $20 a month, which is kind of a steep investment, but you get access to pretty much every single talent's person's agent's email, their PR, their agent, their management, all of it on there once you are an IMDb Pro member. So 
You bet that I spend days, like there are some days in a week that I just block out for cold emailing. I do it all the time. I cold email people's agents 24-7 and you will get a ton of no responses. But, you know, sometimes we get answers and it's a really, really fun way to get people in the show. My biggest tip for that would probably be to be as specific as you possibly can when it comes to your pitches. Don't just email and be like, hey, here's my show. This is what it is. Would love to have this person on the show. Thanks. Bye. Something that I'll always do is, of course, tell them about the show. Tell them a few people that we've had on. Tell them what we're about, what our goal and our mission is. And then I'll give them a few episodes to listen to as an example. I'll usually give them about two to three. And something that I like to do, again, is make it very tailored to whoever it is that we're pitching. So if it's an actress, I'll give them other actresses. If it's someone in tech, I'll show them some other people in the tech space, especially if it's an agent that like maybe I've seen on Instagram or a publicist we've seen. Of course, I'll go on like on their Instagram and like see if they're following somebody, if we have a mutual, if somebody that they follow has been on the show. I really like to get specific with it because that's how you're going to nail the pitch and get their attention. And then, of course, I always include a very specific angle. So again, try and invest in an IMDb Pro account. But when you're using that, be smart about it because the more specific you are, the more rewarded you will be. How do I choose my guests and what do I want to communicate with the interviews? Choosing the guests is the most fun part of this entire process for me and honestly a big reason of why I started the show. I was super sick of seeing the same people circulate on all of the news articles, all of the podcasts. I felt like during the time when I had first started podcasting, it was like all the same heavy heavy hitters. It was like all the same tech startups and all the same celebrities. And I was always coming across such interesting people. And I just feel like their stories weren't being told to different audiences. So for me, probably to my detriment, because I'm never going for like the biggest celebrities in the world, but I honestly pick people that I'm inspired by. It's definitely not the best growth strategy, but I just really love finding people that I think are doing amazing things for their communities that I know that my audience can get involved and invested in. I want the show to feel attainable and relatable. And I want you guys to like listen to an episode to walk away and be like, wait, I can either do that too, or I can get involved in making change in whatever they're doing. Obviously for me, I love bringing on fashion guests because that's my background but lately has been so fulfilling to broaden that spectrum and also showcase some of my other interests through the guests that I'm bringing on. Like we've brought on some incredible local politicians. We just brought on Nithya Raman, who's an LA city council member. Um, And she's really working on the homeless issue in Los Angeles right now, or even doctors that focus on something that I'm really interested in. Last year we had Dr. Karush Madahi, who's a dentist on, and he talked all about how there are so many issues that go on between our teeth and our microbiome and how we can help kind of strengthen that part of our body just through the way that we're cleaning our teeth. So these are all things that like I'm thinking about in my day-to-day life that I'm interested in. And I think that you guys should hear about too. And I'm using the podcast as a vehicle and my guests as a vehicle to kind of share that knowledge and like bring this information to the community to be able to talk about it on a bigger level. And when it comes to researching, that's also where I really have the most fun because I'm crazy when it comes to research. I like to cover all my bases. First, I'll do a pretty big sweep. So like I'll look at recent news articles about them, Instagram, Twitter, Reddit, YouTube, and kind of just do this like big aggregate of all the most recent things that I'm interested in investigating about them. My intern, Elisa, shout out to the best human ever. And I then like to sit down and honestly just shoot the shit for a few hours about this person. We'll talk about what intrigues us about them, like what we're interested in 
if there's a project that they're working on that has to do with like a topic we're interested in and how we can tie it together and kind of decide like what the angle of this show is. Like, is this an entrepreneur that we haven't really heard from before? And like, I want to hear their story from A to Z. Is this somebody who is like very in the weeds of like pop culture and I kind of just want to ask their take on a bunch of different things and hear their opinion and get to know them in a different way and just have like a really fun friend conversation? It's always important for us to like establish what the motive is almost like, why are we interviewing this person and what's the key takeaway? And then we build questions around that. And as I said earlier, like I do a sweep of all these platforms because I'm always really curious, especially if it's a person that has a big social following to hear what other people are saying about them. Like we have someone coming up. I'm really excited for this episode, but like there's a whole Reddit channel about like the design of their bedroom. I don't even think they know about this, but like Obviously, I'm going to bring that up and be like, hey, did you know that like people sit on Reddit and talk about your bedroom? So I think that like it's things like that that instigate really interesting conversation. Again, I'm going to continue to say this throughout this episode, but it's like specificity like that that will make you the best journalist that you can possibly be. So, you know, covering your bases, get in there, like get in the weeds and like really figure out how one, you can create a takeaway from the app from your episode that no one else has brought to the table and two, how you can ask questions that will make the guest one, feel like you really put in a lot of effort, but two, make them think a little bit, like take them out of their usual press response situation and like get them thinking about their career or what's going on in their life or the way that, you know, we see them in a different way. So that's what I would say when it comes to research. But, you know, right now I'm kind of in this interesting point because as much as I love being the person that researches a ton and gets to know my guests, I also feel like some really beautiful moments come from spontaneity in a podcast. So my biggest challenge is finding the middle ground in that. Like, how do you come prepared and how do you honor the craft of being a journalist, but then also make space for these like really beautiful moments to come to life? And somebody actually asked me that, which I think was a beautiful question of like, how do you make space for conversations to naturally unfold with ease. And, and, you know, so now something that I'm focusing on is sitting back a little bit and really listening more, like taking off my journalist hat sometimes and maybe feeling as if, and you know, something that we stand by is feeling like you're just having a conversation with your friend instead of maybe sticking to, okay, here are my 20 questions and here are all the things I want to accomplish. Like if an interview is flowing a bit more naturally, that will leave room for you to ask things that are really piquing your interest in that moment and not just focusing on like, okay, got to get to my next question. Got to get that answer. Like, did your guest bring up something that interests you? Did they maybe say, oh, I went on a road trip last week or like, you know, I was looking at my horoscope the other day. Like, okay, so what's your sign? Like, what's a personality trait about your sign that you don't like about yourself? Or, you know, something that kind of gets that conversation going in a way that is interesting to you and you can contribute to the conversation too. So lately, something that I'm practicing is, okay, I have my 20 questions, but then also having this alternate sheet. And before the interview, I've picked, say, five of them that I'm like, hey, these are questions that I really want to answer. These are questions that I really want to know from this person and making sure that those five questions get answered. And I'm just going to free ball the rest. I'm going to freestyle it. I'm going to follow up on this conversation. I'm going to, I'm going to let the conversation flow naturally. I'm going to ask questions that pique my interest because sometimes interviews go that way and that's totally okay. I think that is actually one of the most challenging parts of being an interviewer is getting there and having to read the room and also make those decisions on the fly. 
I think that's something that journalists really have to hone in on is that skill of being able to be very flexible, very on your toes and move and be malleable to every which direction the conversation could possibly go in. So for us, when it comes to taping, and a lot of you actually asked about this, this which, is I, which I think is so interesting. People ask how often we tape. I try to tape every week, once a week, because if I don't, I feel like, honestly, like if I don't record an interview for a week, I almost get like really nervous again to record again because it's something that I think you have to do as often as you possibly can to just keep that muscle going, especially if you're someone that has a weekly show, to just be able to keep doing these episodes and have them banked. I really believe in banking evergreen episodes. So episodes that like don't have to do with something that's timely, whether it's a movie or a product release. You never know when you're going to have a rainy day. So having these episodes banked in an archive so that like, you know, if something happens schedule wise, you are just free to move things around and you're never tied to a really strict schedule. I want to switch over to equipment for a little bit. I'm sure because so many of you are recording from home or want to start a podcast from home, it's definitely something that was a trial and error process for me. And I hope that through my advice, it won't be a trial and error process for you guys. I ended up YouTubing a ton of different setups to figure out which one would fit my needs. So I wanted video and audio. I like having the Zoom video. It's something that for me, I think is really fun. It's great for promotional assets. I ended up getting this like rig for my desk that holds a microphone, a camera, LED light, and then the secondary mic that will set up to the camera if I ever want to do real DSLR video. It is definitely bulky. It's not something I recommend for everybody who just wants to have a standard show. But for me, it does the trick, especially because I like the visuals of it all. So right now I have it set up in my office space. I have my microphone on a reclining arm so that when I'm not recording, I can actually put it up and it's out of my space. I really don't love microphones that sit on the desk. I think it's kind of bulky. It gets in the way. And if you're someone that like moves a ton, it makes sound. It's nice to have one that's like on this like arm next to you because it is right in front of you. It's not moving. And someone like me that like fidgets a lot, the like in and out like this, if I like back up sound will pick up and it's pretty annoying. My microphone is connected to a Zoom recorder. Um, yes, we have a Zoom recorder and then we have the Zoom app. It's probably the bane of my existence. And then my Zoom recorder hosts my audio. And then obviously our guest audio are hosted through Zoom. For those of you who have Zoom fatigue, if you are somebody that is hosting a podcast and wants to utilize video, I am super sorry, but using Zoom is a great way to do it as well. Um, Zoom hosts my guest audio. They do pretty good video. Um, it lets you record. And so it's just been a great resource for me to keep using. But if you're looking to do just audio, I've heard amazing things about platforms like Zencaster, platforms like Anchor, where you can just record on your phone. And if you're looking for the equipment I just talked about, I've linked everything to, that I use in the description of this episode for you. It's in my Amazon shop and you guys can easily shop it from there. I will say that all of these things definitely come at a price. Trust me when I say this though, if you are seriously wanting to start a podcast and it's not just something that you want to do, you know, from your phone off the cuff, just for fun. If it's something that you want to do seriously, I wasted way more money trying to buy cheaper equipment and months later just ended up splurging on the good shit. So I have to say investing in the good equipment now from the beginning is the way to go. It's a podcast. The audio is king. It is the most important part of your show. And by the way, like you will have episodes with bad audio. I've had a million of them. I haven't had a million episodes, but I'm being, I'm being dramatic. I've had quite a few. 
it happens, especially now as we're recording from home and people are, you know, out of their usual routines. It'll definitely happen, but doing everything you can to avoid that and making sure that you have quality equipment is definitely going to get you way further, save you money. Jumping back to Zoom a little bit because someone asked this question and honestly, I feel you. How do you fix Zoom quality to make it better? For me, what's helped the most in optimizing Zoom is a few things. One, don't use AirPods. I've noticed that lately with a couple of my episodes. I've been hearing an echo. Mine have like cut out in the middle of episodes and where I've just like taken them out thinking that everything's going to be okay. But then my guest's audio gets completely like alien voicey. So we cut AirPods completely from the show. So now I wear headphones, like real plug-in headphones. And we're also actually testing right now what it would be like to have our guests wear headphones and also record their conversation on their phone if they don't have a mic setup available. So getting them to wear headphones, especially if they have headphones, like the old cord ones that have the mic that like hangs next to your mouth, like that one I think has been, I've seen the most success in having clear audio on my guests end. And then of course, as I mentioned, for if you're the host using old school headphones, again, also has been helpful. I use this camera called the Logitech and it's what I'm using right now. It's what gives me a little bit of a clear image on Zoom because the regular Zoom cameras makes me like it. I never look cute on that thing. I don't know how people look good on it, but for some reason, this camera makes me look good. It brightens up the room a little bit. It's a bit of more of a wide lens. Definitely gives you like a nice gloss. So I would recommend that if you are someone that's looking for a little bit of a crisper video as well. So those are my tips to make Zoom quality better. Again, guys, like I think we are a year into COVID and I think that everybody is a little bit more lax on the quality of things. Like I think getting it to the, this is where I've been able to get it to the best that it can be. But I think everybody also has to have a little bit of grace and like what's going on in terms of how we're doing things from home. We'll be back one day, but for now this is working and it's been, I'm still really grateful to be able to be doing these from home. So whatever works. This is my favorite question that was submitted. Shout out to Nikki Oganake for this question. Um, She has a podcast too. I definitely think you guys should go check it out. She said, how do you spread the word about your podcast without coming off as annoying or self-centered? I literally cringed at myself because it honestly is true. It's self-promotion. You're promoting a podcast. Podcasts are known for moments where you are talking on a mic either to yourself like I am right now or with another person. It is kind of a vain experience. Moving past that has been really liberating for me and finding a marketing process that has allowed me to take the focus away from, you know, me and the host of a podcast and into my guests has been where I felt so much satisfaction and also felt like I am educating my community. So for me, all of our promotional assets have to do with our guests, educating you guys on how, who they are, what they do, and how you can get involved in whatever it is that they're doing. Because at the end of the day, the show isn't really about me. And if your show is about you, that is totally fine. That's great. I'm excited to hear it and get to know you. But I think if you can make the show about a tangible takeaway, like what are you talking about on that show? Like how is it going to be educational for your audience? Like why should your audience come to that episode to learn something new and walk away from it? If you can make whatever your promotional assets or your marketing or talking about it or networking or whatever it is about that and use that as the anchor for your show. I think that's where we can walk away or kind of step away from that feeling of it being annoying in a way. So for me, that's where I found most success. It's also been really gratifying to see you guys be like, wow, this is actually really cool. I didn't know that this person did this or how many people I've had slide into my DMs and be like, oh, I love that they're working on this project. I actually just DM them to get involved. 
that's where I feel the most like excited about what it is that I do. So change your mindset, less about you, more about sharing of information, more about community. What is your best networking tip for putting your podcast out there? I had have had so much fun doing podcast swaps. Um, I'm lucky to be on Dear Media, the network, and we do pod swaps all the time. Whitney Port and I did one last year if you guys want to go check it out. Um, but you don't have to be on a network to do that. I think, you know, DM. If there's a podcast that you love, DM them a pitch to go on the show and be like, hey, I'd love to do a pod swap with you. It should be mutually beneficial. The other person that's coming on to your show should also be getting something out of it. But it's an amazing way to collect a new audience of pod listeners. And it's just great for content. Um, I think, you know, if, especially if it's a podcast that's interview-based, being able to, you know, swap and and get on a show that you like and kind of plug your own and then vice versa. Like, everybody wins. It's fun. It's content. And again, it's a great way to get your podcast in front of other podcast listeners. And speaking of other podcasts in the market, a good question that was asked, how do you ensure you differentiate yourself in a space that's becoming highly saturated? This question gives me all the feels because, you know, we've talked about it. It is a big industry. But again, I think there's room for everybody. Every podcast is different and it's about what you bring to the show. So even though I feel like everyone's like, oh, you have a podcast, you too. Let that sweep over your head. And push through. If you have something to say and you want to say it and you have an an audience to say it to, start a podcast. It's an amazing way to put yourself out there, especially if you want to be a journalist. It's just a great way to bank content and get experience in interviewing. What's been most successful for me in differentiating myself in a market that I feel is really highly saturated has been engaging with my community. Because every community is different. Everyone has different followers and everybody within that community has different needs and can contribute something different. And your experience with your fans and your listeners is what's going to set you apart because your interactions, your advice, and your conversations will be unique to you and only you. So for me, answering DMs, responding to reviews, talking about reviews on the show, and making sure that this feels more like a two-way street instead of just a conversation that's being had that you guys tune into every week. I think that's where I've differentiated myself. And I think that's where people feel like they are coming to a community and they're not just coming to a show every week. So that's something that I think is is really crucial if you're starting a show. Engage with your listeners. Get to know them. Hear what they want. Hear their feedback. And invite them in in a different way and in a deeper way and let them get to know you. I feel like I've given so much advice. I'm literally out of breath. I hope that you guys have learned a lot in this episode Again, my DMs are always open. If you guys have follow-up questions, if there are more things you want me to dive into, like I'm so happy to keep doing these and and share my experience with you guys. I am an open book. I'm a resource for anything that you guys need. It's been a really fun part of my career to talk to college students. So if you are in college and you are looking for help, whether it's like, you know, a question getting a job, question with an edit test, like I am totally here slide in my DM, shoot me an email, whatever it is. Like I want something that's just been so gratifying for me is to give back because I was in your shoes too. And that's really what the purpose of this community is for me. So, you know, if you are wanting to start a podcast, if you are wanting to write, my biggest piece of advice would be perseverance. And I know that sounds really lame, but it's true. Like all of these things you have to do every day. You have to really hone in on your craft become an expert at that craft. And after you do that, like that's just the starting line. 
once you get to the point where you're podcasting or you're writing for a publication, then the race really starts. And, you know, when I started my podcast, I remember being like, I'm going to be doing this for a really long time because it's something, one, that I want to do for a long time. But two, I know that it's just going to take a long time to grow and a long time for me to to hone in on that craft and really get it to a point where I feel like I'm an expert in the space. So, you know, I'm a year and a half in and I know I have a long way to go. And there have been so many weeks and so many episodes where I've just been like, oh my God, this is bad. Or what am I doing? And this isn't my best. And you will have bad episodes. You will have good episodes. But I think if you can chip away at it every week, produce really good quality content, that is a feat in and of itself and something you should be really proud of. So whether you're writing, podcasting, whatever it is, keep doing it. Do not give up because you've had a bad week. If I look back at my first podcast episodes, I cringe. It's embarrassing. But the more you do it, the more you're going to grow, the more you're going to get better at it. So thank you guys so much again for tuning in, for submitting these questions. It was really fun to kind of look back and answer these for you guys. And thank you guys so much for listening. Leave us a review if you liked this episode. Let me know your thoughts. I want to keep creating these for you guys. So thank you so much again. And we'll see you next week. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Friend of a Friend. Before you go, make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and at tiermedia.com. And for more behind the scenes of the show, visit us at friendofafriend.us and follow me at Liv Perez on Instagram. Don't forget the two Bs. See you next week.